0: This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you. For real this time, patreon.com slash Breakaway. We make a giant announcement at the beginning of this podcast talking about the end of our run with the Athletic. We also have Molly Walker from the New York Post on and New York Ranger legend Jeff Bukaboom to come talk about the team and the future of the team and everything else around everything right now. Quiet trade deadline. Greg and I break it all down here on Blue Shirts Breakaway. Here's the captain, Mark Messier.
2: Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirt's Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
0: Hey Blue Shirt Breaka fans, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirt's Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I am up for the last time, the athletic Gregory... Say hello.
2: I'm not, am I not of the athletic? Gregory, the I'm
0: with my co-host Gregory Kaplan of the athletic for the last time. Gregory say hello
2: for the last time. Uh, I'd like to thank the Academy and the athletic uh, without, for without, taking
0: without, a shot on us.
2: Without, without them and Moses, all things were possible. Blah, blah, No, man, it was a good experience. It's a good run. Um,
0: oh yeah. So we should probably announce it. We, if you haven't seen on right. Twitter yet, um, this will be our last episode on the athletic We've decided to go independent! We are indie people now. Uh, Yes. And uh, we wanted to go back to our old ways. Honestly, a a big part of it was to get back to our community. And uh, a lot of our fans have been really receptive about that. Uh, So I cannot thank you enough for all the kind words everyone has said to us. The way we're doing this now, and you're probably going to hear us talk about it once in a while, is our Patreon. The reason why we're bringing this up is it's how you support us, it's how we do the show. I'm not going to talk about it much longer, but... The things that will be changing about the show. The main show that comes out every Tuesday. Absolutely nothing. The show will still be around. All the same stuff. It's not going anywhere. Whatever. BSBOT, which is the episode that comes out later in the week, either on Thursday or Friday morning, will be moving exclusively to the Patreon in a few weeks. We will give you guys an exact date on that later this week. But that's exactly what's going on. So if you want to keep hearing BSBOT or support us for what we're doing, our newsletters, uh, Gambling with Greg podcast, couple other new stuff. I'm going to be reviewing some videotape, breaking down videotapes of the kids, all that stuff. We're going to do a bunch of fun stuff on Patreon. If you want to become a supporter, you can go to patreon.com slash Breakaway. That's what's up. I want to thank The Athletics so much for calling me randomly one day and being like, we need a Ranger podcast. Do you want to be it? Me and Greg being like, why would they want us? We're idiots. And then taking a shot on us for uh, for a long time. And, you know, people are going to ask, like, did you get fired? And the answer is no. And I'm not joking. We like, legitimately did not get fired. Greg and I decided to leave on our own our own terms, and we just think it's better to go independent at this point. And that's exactly what happened. Did I miss anything there, Greg?
2: Yeah, I guys, trust me. Had we gotten fired, yeah, the you content would know. Would be fire. I promise. It would, it would be <laughs> you. You. You would enjoy it more if we did because the stories would be fantastic. It. It got to a point where. Um, I we we hold no ill ill will. We're still going to have a very lot of fun people that we've met along the way at the athletic on the show. Ideally, there are just more things we wanted to do that we weren't able to do. And now we're going to be able to do them because we don't have to report to anybody, but ourselves and our viewers and our listeners. So it's, it's about right. If we, we had a deep talk and then we can, we can, we can stop talking about it after this, Ryan yeah. and I had a deep talk. We, we asked ourselves what, what our goals were, what we wanted to do. Was this still fun? And the things we want to do that are going to be fun, we, we just need to do them on our own. So that's what we're going to do.
0: Yep. We want it to write. We want it to do videos. We want it to do more weird stuff. We want it to do more nonsense. And we'll keep the nonsense as much as possible. into individual, they'll still be on the show. It's going to be the same show. Okay, relax. Uh, but we'll, we'll keep the nonsense to what it is. But we want it to be able to do like emergency podcasts. We want to do baseball over unders. We want to do football over unders. And those will still be on this feed. There'll be bonus episodes that'll still be here or on the Patreon. But that's just what it is. We want it to be able to do them. And and have yeah. some fun with it. That's all. So
2: yeah, the 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 athletic rightfully don't doesn't want Ryan and I doing an episode yeah. on their feet about Why would the whether players... I think the Marlins are going to win seventy two games this year.
0: <laughs> exactly. They don't care, uh, and rightfully so, by the way. But some of you might, and uh, if you do, we're going to keep doing stuff like that. So it's fun.
2: My masters, my masters bets were not good this weekend. That's not surprising. That's going to get out of going to get out ahead of it and say, John John Rom did what he did, Ryan. He made his late push at the end of the week, but he, he just, he had such a bad Saturday. He couldn't dig himself out of the hole.
0: I did. Uh, I do like the name that our Patreon subscribers have given for your gambling, which is grambling. I do like that.
2: Yeah. But then I, there's a very famous university called grambling. Is I don't want to, I don't want to.
0: Yes. Oh, I don't know that. Sorry. Oh yeah. It, 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 it's, is that bad? I, it, did I do no, a boo-boo?
2: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's bad. I, it, it would be bad for you if you had like a large knowledge of other universities and colleges that aren't, Marist and only Marist, yeah, that's and maybe like Harvard <laughs> schools, Suffolk Community so College for Suffolk, for you,
0: yeah,
2: for you. Uh, no, I don't think it's terrible, but yeah, Grambling, super famous college.
0: Cool, did not know that. All right, uh right, let's get to our mega show today. We have a crazy good show. uh Weird, right? Yeah, because I'm
2: crazy fucking tired. It's true, it's really... <laughs> Great, just
0: traveled. Uh, let's let's we'll, we'll, let's leave that to right for the break. Oh, your little uh, stories and all that. But let's get to some Rangers real quick before we sure. get to everything else uh we have and
2: the the lightning who are cheating the
0: Lightning are cheating right of course what the hell all right (laughs) i did want to get to this but so let me get this straight the lightning are negative nine million in Uh cash space right now and we're able to get a player without giving up somebody on their active roster Uh currently okay yeah because
2: they're fucking cheating okay
0: cool all right uh good yeah.
2: They, K- have, they have long-term not- injured reserve cap space, Ryan, which is, you know, fake money, right. as we all know. Um, their, their current cap space is $0. It's fantastic. But they've used $17 million in long-term IR. Stamkos picked up a phantom injury. Kucherov, they're not going to bring back until the season is over. They 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 got Gabarek hidden down there. They have Anders Nielsen hidden down there. They have Jan Rutta hidden down there. I don't know who the hell Mitchell Stevens is. I'm pretty sure they just made him up, but he's down there on L long-term IR as well. Yeah, they're fucking cheating. I I, I honestly at this point don't know what else to say about the Tampa Bay lighting. I need to go back and listen to my two-minute rambling when this trade <laughs> happened on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but it I it, it is what it is. We're trying to get a good friend of the show who's on the show this week, Molly Walker, to write about it for the New York Post. Yep. Don't think she's going probably to probably not not molly's fault it just it just it it drives me up a wall this all one team had to do was offer sorelli or sergachev money and everyone was like well, you know what
0: bars all man we, we don't have to, to do this if this is the same podcast we do every week let's talk about the yeah. Raiders real quick um trade deadline can can has come and gone we talk about oh. zach jones uh, and the possibility of him signing with molly walker we also have jeff Boom on the show that's pretty cool also uh, I mean, <laughs> not not to
2: bury the lead. Not there. to bury the lead,
0: but Jeff Buchman, four-time Stanley Cup champion, is on the show. Cool. All right, he talks yeah, about the Rangers. Yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah. Who knew? Pretty cool. yeah, right, 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 right. whatever. Yep, not right, a big deal right, for yeah. us. Uh, yep. so trade line, deadline came and gone. Brendan Lemieux, obviously was traded a couple weeks ago, which we hmm. we thought was a giant win for the New York Rangers. I thought, and I wrote about over the weekend that there was Ooh, we co- should.
2: <laughs> Not to good. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is what we do. Has the BSBOT ever gotten outdated more quickly?
0: No, never. You at the end of BSBOT last week said, "No, I don't think any first will be traded this deadline." And then the <laughs> second I pressed publish, you it was uh, the Islanders have traded for uh, they traded a first for two Devils, pa- Paul
2: Mar, yep. Paul Mary and Zay-J. Yep.
0: There you go.
2: Yeah, and I think what seven first rounders got traded like in that. the last four days. Yeah. To be fair, though, I also said a first would not get traded for Taylor Hall. It, People. It, Are people, Ryan, they were screaming from the rooftops that the New York Rangers were going to have to give up a haul for Jack Eichel because the Sabres can't possibly be the Sabres anymore, and they can't possibly be as dumb as they had been in the past. Are you shitting me with what the Sabres did over the last couple of days? Incredible work for them to somehow – Find a way to not improve. What's actually
0: roster. incredible is how the Columbus Blue Jackets, who I know have been a little bit of a tire fire this year, but have been a respectable organization over the past five, no matter what, no matter what you have to say about Tortorella, have come away with like an, an abundance of valuable picks uh, for players yes. who I just I don't think are extremely overly talented. Where Taylor Hall won an MVP three years ago <laughs> and got traded. I know. Listen, the no move called played played into this. It absolutely did. He came out and said it played into it. So he wants to go to the Bruins, maybe that's how the Bruins made it happen, but what the Bruins gave up for him is a joke. Like an absolute joke. There's no way around that. The no movement contract for Eichel is heading that way also. It's it's yeah, heading that But way.
2: It, it it it's it's like the Sabres are like, "Well, we didn't have a choice." I mean, you do have one choice, which is just to keep him. If you weren't going to get anything for him, you don't have to trade him. There's no there's no law that says, "Well, shit, we suck, so we're going to trade this guy." Because what the hell else is going to happen? I get, like, you still have a bargaining chip. It's not a strong bargaining chip. It's not, a, it's not the world's best one. It's not going to juice up the offer that much. But if the Bruins are like, hey, man, we got this bag of shit that's lit on fire. Can we have Taylor Hall? If you're the Sabres, you can at least ask them to put the fire out before you make the trade. Like, you, you, you I, I get it. It's going to be bad no matter what. But they are just. Because it's not just Hall. Montour. They they got crushed. Eric Stahl, they got crushed. And people, when the Eric Stahl trade happened, were thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe that's just, like, the going rate for players. Nick Foligno got a first-round draft pick. Yeah. Nick Foligno! Yeah. What Like, like incredible. Just absolutely incredible. And I know incredible. Eric Anyone Stahl had thinks... a
0: down year, but Eric Stahl is still a valuable player. It's Nick Foligno's injured. <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> like, forget it. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Okay. I, it's... Uh, I, I just a masterclass by Buffalo. Anybody who comes to my mentions over the next month or year or however long, I don't know time anymore. It's been a very long day on top of a very long weekend, but it, it's anyone who says, well, you have to account for the fact that the Rangers are trading for a player of this caliber. No, no. You have to account for the fact that it's Buffalo Sabres. And I'm now at a point where if it's more than Hayek Howden, and a fifth round pick, I don't want to do it.
0: Yep. Uh listen, I have to tell you Kraftson who's been I know you've been you've had a very busy weekend. and has looked incredible as a New York Ranger. I've heard good things. He, he has been good he has just been more than I expected, more lively than I expected, adjusted to the game and the speed quicker the the Islanders games, listen, it was tough. It was tough, especially because in my opinion the Rangers had I listen, I'm giving myself hope. This is my fault. I'm doing it to myself. The Rangers had a, a somewhat slim chance of hope. That the Buffalo Sabres could steal a game or two against the Bruins, and that maybe if the Rangers continued to win out and do what they were doing, maybe they could catch the Bruins if things all went right, and it was an absolute disaster for the Bruins. The Bruins ended up trading for Hall, taking him away for Buffalo, uh, so now he's on their team, and then they will play the Buffalo Sabres six times in a row. The Rangers are. are, are well, well,
2: but well, not, not just that, we yep. should also make mention that the Sabres also got Mike Riley, who's been having a fantastic season. And he's just going to make that defense better. He's right. he's essentially going to be able to be Charlie McAvoy light, which is exactly what the team that has Charlie McAvoy needs.
0: You were uh, you you said the Sabres, but you meant the Bruins. But yes, um, I sure did. Yep, I'm I here. said Adam Norris. I'm here I for meant you. It. I'm here for you. But in this in this occasion, the Rangers played the Islanders very tough in both games. I thought the children looked great in both games. The Rangers the Islanders haven't lost when they when they've given they've scored the first goal this year not once. That's insane. The Rangers took them to overtime. Even with Panarin, who right now, last night, seemed like he might be a little off. Uh, he had a heating pad on his back at the, in the middle of the game. So maybe he is, he's nursing something right now. It was one of the first nights uh, I really thought Panarin wasn't at it 100%. Kreider had a really rough night, truly. Mika Zibanejad was a rough night also. Pretty much everyone that wasn't, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Brandon Smith and Libra Hayek and the children, Had a a rough night for the York Rangers, and they still took the Islanders to overtime. The team is good. It really is. It's good. It's fun. It's young. There's a lot to look forward to. Will they make the playoffs? Likely not. They need to win both games versus the Islanders, and they need the bu- the Buffalo Sabres, who are a disaster, uh, but have been playing better lately to really take it to the Bruins over of, of the six games they play them in the next few weeks. It's going to be tough, but the ne- the ending of the season will be a lot of fun with maybe possibly Zach Jones coming, Kraftstoff being here, and it'll be a nice preview into what will be the first year of the window open next year. There's, there's a lot of good going around here, Greg.
2: You know what, I think the Lightning might have done? I think they have convinced the NHL that their actual salary cap is the Canadian dollar salary cap, which is, Mm. you know, larger than the US dollar. But anyway, um, we, uh, our our close personal friend, Jeff Bookaboom, who I feel like we can call Book now. Yeah, Yeah, Book. Later on in the show, he's going to talk about, we asked him whether this season can only be a success if the Rangers make the playoffs. And he explained pretty eloquently how. It's not about the end result. It's about the process in which you get there. Um, And this is one of those moments where if the Rangers miss the playoffs, they're playing playoff games right now, essentially. And they just took three out of four points against one of the more complete teams in the entire Eastern Conference, having the best season in the division for sure, and a team that just added Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac to an already deep lineup. The we, we've made fun of that, that the Islanders seemingly pay everybody when they don't need to, but by doing so, the Islanders don't have a lot of holes. We can't sit here and criticize one area of that Islander team and call it bad. Do I think they should be paying JG Padjo as much as they do? Absolutely not. But if he's your third center, you're doing something right, right? That team is that team is constructed. In a non-salary cap way, very well, and they have Barry Trotz, and they have good goaltending, especially Varlamov, who usually destroys the Rangers himself. Oh, the Sorokin the ivar um, stuff
0: for the next ten years is going to torture me. It's going to
2: be it's going to be it's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts, though. It's going to be Degrom Cole, except they actually play in the same division. There you go. And except that one of them is not clearly better than the other. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, i mean it's, it's true. fine the other the, the worst one gets run support so yep what do you want you, you either get to be the best pitcher in baseball or you get run support apparently you can't have both pick poison pick um,
0: there yeah
2: so shut the fuck up you, <laughs> you, you guys can stay with the athletic the Met fans can come with me and i guess the three rays fans out there that also listen it's, to just me.
0: it's just me it's just uh
2: you have enough personas where there might be three more of you what the hell was I saying? Okay. I have no idea. I don't know.
0: Anyway, the, let's just talk about the trade deadline real quick. I'm not surprised that the Rangers did nothing. Uh, I hope the Rangers re-sign Brandon Smith next year. We talk about him a little bit later too. I'm a big fan of his, and I, I think um, I, I'll push. I'm going to push Go back ahead. slightly on that. one. Yeah, it's well, up because... to David Quinn. Up uh, in my opinion. Like, he... oh, here's
2: what I was going to say. Okay. Uh, I want to. I want to put a pin in Brandon Smith. Actually, remember that I was talking about him, okay. but. Uh, Molly says this a lot, and I just—I'm going to say it once, and then I'm going to let her say it the rest of the time on this show. We're all—not all of us—some of us are very quick to criticize David Quinn. Credit where credit is due. Chris Kreider is doing one of his disappearing acts again.
0: Invisibility cloak.
2: Where did he go in the game? Fourth line. Who got rewarded? Was, was, was he forcing? Was he was he forcing Kreider down people's throats, or did he make a move? He made a move. He made a move. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, back to Brendan Smith. Okay. I understand why – first of all, I understand why Brendan Smith wants to stay. He sees that this team is growing and maturing and becoming something special. And if he can collect a paycheck while being with this team, I'm all for that. Um, Molly mentions that he would have to take a pay cut in order to stay with the Rangers. Obviously, they're not going to give him another $4 million to be their seventh defenseman. I'm just not of the I, in theory, yes. If Brendan Smith wants to come back and wants to sit on the bench and just be an injury replacement or a, a Quinn Bin substitute and play in the neighborhood of maybe 35 to 40 games next season, I'm not gonna sit here and say that's a bad idea. The Ranger's are gonna have more cap space than they know what to do with, even if they give him a million dollars. That's a contract you can bury in triple A if you put it pass him through waivers. You can move Freddie Clayson, who who's has played 30 games over the last two years, still gets fifth-round draft picks on trade deadline day because people understand when you need to play him, he's quite good, and Brendan Smith can be that kind of player. In, in that regards, yes, I, I think Brendan Smith should come back to the New York Rangers. I also just – it's not a position I worry about as a seventh defenseman because just they think unless the Rangers make a big, splashy trade, which we still think they will, this is a team that next year the top four – is exactly what it's going to be. Lindgren Fox, DeAndre Truba. You're going to have likely Zach Jones or Tarmo on the left-hand side, likely Niels Lundqvist on the right-hand side. So do I think the Rangers need Brendan Smith on that team in case there's an injury? Not really. Robertson, under contract. Schneider, under contract. Uh, again, only one of Jones or Tarmo will be in the lineup on any given night. Say the Rangers didn't have a veteran defenseman back there, I it, it's, it's not a need for me, but I'm also not going to be the guy that's going to like tell you not to re-sign Brendan Smith for a million dollars next year. It feels like good business. It doesn't seem like a bad idea, but I just, I, I, I don't, whatever happens to Brendan Smith, I just hope he's happy. He seems like a genuinely nice dude. So I, I, I hope, I hope he finds peace and eternal uh, NHL attitude.
0: There you go. I like NHL attitude. Anything else we want to cover before we get to our two interviews? I don't think so.
2: Oh, oh. Just, just how tired
0: I am. I'm so sorry, Greg. It's gotta be tough it's for you, tough, buddy. It's tough, man. It
2: is. Listen, if there's anything I know in this world, it is hard being a 32 year old white male. It is just <laughs> absolutely impossible. So tough for you, uh, bud. Man, life, life as you know it is, is super hard. I, it was tried. I, I don't know. It, it is what it is. Do we have any? Um, do we have any questions this week? Uh, I not
0: about? that I have right up at this point in time, but we will be. As we will uh, transition away from the athletic this week, we will be going to Discord questions and five stars next week. So that'll be it. So let's transition over to our interviews, and then we'll uh, we'll see you at the end of the show. How about that, Greg?
2: Oh, you. Oh, okay.
0: What do you want? What do you, am I missing something?
2: <laughs> no, I just—you caught me off guard by saying that I have to s- stay.
0: Yeah, you do. You do have to stay. Okay. Just just one second. Right. Here we All go. Right. Transition. Hey, we're back with Molly Walker. She's the co-host of Up in the Blue Seats. She's a hockey writer, reporter, everything at the New York Post. Molly, how are you?
3: I'm great. How are you guys? Are you
0: great because of UMass? (laughs) (laughs) I am on
3: cloud nine if we're being honest and I'm so excited haven't been able to talk about UMass in a professional setting but here we are I'm ready to gush ready to show my fandom I don't care it took me four years that I couldn't be a fangirl about it but I finally can openly root for UMass and now Zach Jones might be coming to the Rangers. Might be.
0: Might be. We'll talk about that in just a second. So you uh, have been following UMass for a very long time. Obviously, you're doing uh, you've broken your oath as a reporter and rooting for them. I'm <laughs> rooting for them outwardly. How dare you? Uh, what was it like winning the national championship as a fan? Because I one day I'd like to win a championship and I just want to know what the feeling feels like.
3: Well, first of all, just the fact that there were so many people on Twitter.com that were congratulating me as if I <laughs> (laughs) It was on the ice like, thank you to all of those people so kind I truly did not deserve any bit of congratulations, but I got an abundance of it. But I mean, if anybody listening watched the game, I mean that was just a five to nothing and and Coming from someone that was in Buffalo two years ago when they lost three to nothing to Minnesota Duluth, and it wasn't even a competition. And from puck drop, I looked at my fellow beat writers and we just shook our heads. We knew that they were going to get pummeled, and they did. It wasn't, they were so outmatched, even with Kale McCarr, Mario Ferraro, John Leonard, you know, those big guys that are now all in the NHL. It was just so lopsided, but oh, just even uh, in the semifinal game against Minnesota, Minnesota Duluth, they really held their own. They really powered through it. It was another overtime winner. And then they just demolished St. Cloud in that final game, five to nothing. Hate I really have it. never seen it. I've no, see never. It. <laughs> I just, it was what a freaking game, man. They were unstoppable. I mean, top, top like. 10 goals I've ever seen in my entire life from Phil Laganov. The nastiest of dangles I've ever seen in my entire life. So, very, very exciting. And of course, Zach Jones was also stellar throughout the whole NCAA tournament. So, Rangers fans, get excited.
0: Yeah, why don't we start with Zach Jones? I'm going to cut off Greg because I'm pretty sure that's where he was going to go. Greg? Oh, no. It's, it's
2: not even cutting me off. I am such a zombie that at this point you're doing everybody <laughs> oh, a favor. Yes.
3: Fresh off a flight, I heard. Thank you oh, for joining it, us. It,
2: it, Molly, it has been a day. I am old as shit and I just <laughs> can't do it anymore. The, the right face oh,
0: is 32. It.
2: 32. Can't do oh, it. it.
3: Can't stop it. Stop it. Don't do that to yourself. All right. So,
0: Zach Jones, there was rep- some reports today, some confirmed by you seemingly, that, that Zach Jones. Jones would sign with the New York Rangers at this point in time. Gorton then came out and was like, I cannot comment on that at this time. Very GM-like of him. Uh, so what, mm-hmm. what do we know so far? What do we know of Zach Jones and his play? Uh, our, our current coworker and our former coworker tomorrow, Scott Wheeler, talked about how he's uh, just a level below Adam Fox, but on the same level as Niels Lundqvist. There's a lot to go around here. So where, where do we even start?
3: Well, it's, it's very interesting. I do want to mention that just a mere two months ago when we had him on our podcast, he hey. was very adamant about going back to UMass. He said the words, he did not feel like he was ready. He didn't feel like he was strong enough. He wanted to take the summer to get build up his strength, you know, get stronger and and work on his game and he even like made a point to say it could even take another 2 years you know he could stay for all 4 years at UMass and then i guess it, one of two things had to happen winning a national championship changed his mind or the rangers came calling and they said we want you now so obviously he could have if he had stayed for all 4 years at UMass then he would have been a UFA by the time that that came around. So obviously the Rangers didn't want that to happen. So that also is kind of a a factor that makes me think that there's a possibility. The Rangers were like, let's get a deal done now and that they were okay with burning a year of his contract and something that I'm starting to see in the NHL and also between the Rangers and Islanders in particular it's this trend of bringing the prospects over early, even if they're not going to play like you saw it with the way the Islanders brought Sorokin to the playoff bubble, he didn't play he wasn't eligible but they want to integrate these players with the rest of the team have them get comfortable. So I think that's a little bit of a trend that we're seeing here that could be a possibility with Zach Jones but yes, they are close. In talking with Zach's camp and my sources at the school, they are close. They are currently discussing a deal right now. So whether that comes to fruition, I don't know when it'll be, but they are engaging in conversations and it does not seem like he will be returning to UMass for next season.
2: Molly, a couple of things I saw today during my travels was (laughs) uh, the Ranger fans that were getting upset that the team was going to sign him and burn the first year of his entry level. It doesn't, from what I've been able to dig up, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, had he not signed this year because of his age, he would have only been able to sign a two year entry level deal beginning next year. So either he signs a three year deal and burns the first year this year, or he was only getting a two year deal had he signed at any point after this season.
3: Yeah. So honestly, it's the same thing. It really doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And you then the,
2: the other part there, and, uh, and then I'll give you the floor again, because no, this is about as many words as I'll be able to get out of my mouth for the entire day. Um, the, this is the one opportunity the Rangers could be like, listen, we have an open spot on left-hand mm-hmm. side. Lieber Hayek is not a guy that's going to necessarily keep someone else from earning some ice time with the Rangers the rest of this year. So th- this is the unique situation where the Rangers could be like, you've accomplished everything you've wanted to accomplish in college, and we won't send you to Hartford. So why don't you come on down?
3: Yeah, it's a total possibility. And in speaking with with uh, Zach Jones's camp, um, he they basically said that it's going to be up to David Quinn to make those types of decisions of when he's put in the lineup and whatnot. So that's like that's kind of all the missing information here is if the Rangers were the ones that came calling, or was it Zach that said now he's ready? I really don't know. I, I there's a lot of question marks there, but the one thing that is. Definite is they are trying to come to an agreement and yeah, I really who knows maybe they do send him down to Hartford Um, But like you just said, Libor Hayek is definitely not um, Doing what the Rangers probably want him to do right now and they are very high on Zach Jones I know Chris jury has said to me before They were elated when he fell to them in the draft when he was drafted They were they wanted him from the start like he was on their list that they were gunning for and, and they love him, so they think very highly of him. And David Quinn was talking about it the other day, um, that they're high on him, like I said. So I am very curious to see how it goes down and, and what they do plan on doing with him. But there are a couple question marks. And I personally just want to ask him, you know, what the heck changed from two months? Because, guys, he two was Two days so, ago,
0: Molly. Yeah,
3: I know. He was so adamant about it. He was so, like... And confident in the way that he was saying it, and I know Greg Carvel, and I know that he has been preaching to that UMass squad to look at Kale McCarr and look at Mario Ferraro, and Kale McCarr was probably ready to go to the NHL after his freshman year, but he stayed for his sophomore year to develop further and to get stronger and to really dominate at the NCAA level. And then went on to the NHL and won the Calder trophy. And now he's up for a Norris trophy, you know, like he did it the right way. So I feel like that entire UMass locker room really hangs on that on those words and really resonates with that. So that's why I feel like Zach Jones was so confident in saying that because he really did believe that it would be in his best interest to stick around for another year. But I I mean, a national championship championship for sure can change that. I remember in talking to Morgan Barron um, uh, before last before this past season, um, when he first signed, um, he was also saying, you know, Cornell season got cut short because of the pandemic and they were kind of in the hunt for going to the frozen four. They were really on the cusp there. And he was like, I just really want to win a national championship. You know, that was the only thing that he was, that was pulling him back basically, you know that, but once that's accomplished, there's, you know, it, you kind of, in your mind, you don't, you feel like there's nothing left to do, which I don't blame
0: them. I do think we'll end up seeing both the players you just named on, in, at least in one game of the Ranger roster, this, the rest of the season. I do think we'll see Zach Jones. I hope, of course. And Morgan Barron <laughs> to me is like a no-brainer. I, I think he'll be uh, be playing up here on the New York Rangers pretty soon. Let's let's fast forward to the trade deadline, which was happened today. And nothing really happened for the Rangers. Jones was the big story. Are you surprised that it was quiet?
3: No, not at all. I really, when you look at the Rangers right now, where they're at in the rebuild, and I wrote about this extensively the other day, they're not buyers. They're not sellers. They're kind of in this awkward in-between space right now where they have a cabinet full of young promising players at all positions that are there to build around that are there developing in the wings but they have a few needs and areas and holes where they really can and that's like physicality and you know those types of gritty dirty players because the Rangers have an abundance of finesse skill kind top six players that are they're just coming out of their ears in them and it's 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 tough to watch almost because for especially for David Quinn and I know the fire Quinn brigade you know and whatnot but yep. it's it's a tough decision when you have so many of the same kind of players someone's got to play on the fourth line you know, someone has to be on that. You can't play like six players on the t- on the first line, six on the second. Like it doesn't work that way. There's three spots on each line. But that's also why he's had so many, you know, jumbling up his lines mid game. And I we saw like, he pu- plugged Vitali Kravtsov into every single line at least once throughout the night, which was, it was pretty enjoyable to watch, honestly.
0: <laughs> it's incredible yeah he's been moving him up and down the lineup it's that's david quinn though the blender it just happens with him and <laughs> if, if someone like chris oh i like
1: that cr- that the, the blender di- they
0: call it the blender you could just you could take it i don't even want it but i call it the blender it, he, he does it every single line he puts it right he puts the lines right in a blender and then that's it like kraftsov people will, will be really upset he's on the fourth line and then all of a sudden chris Kreider takes one of the worst penalties i've seen in a long time versus oh, God. And just, that was tough. Yeah, just throwing the puck right over the right over the wall. Uh, uh, and Chris had a really rough game. He's been in the invisible mode of is to uh, is either superhuman or invisible. It's like you know that that question like would you rather have super strength or invisibility? Chris usually has one of those two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're in the invisibility part of Chris Kreider currently, but he'll come back to it. But when Chris Kreider struggles and when Blackwell is not up to his I'm going to score in the first three minutes self, you can see Quinn pull Kravtsov up and down the lineup. He played on all four lines for the bingo card uh, versus the Islanders. So it is a a great situation for uh, Kravtsov, who seems to be proving himself pretty quickly
3: and to Quinn's credit you know everybody likes to say he only benches the youngins he only sits the like what did what did he do with Chris Kreider he put him on the fourth line like Chris Kreider is uh, as the definition of a veteran that you can get especially with the Rangers he's been with them his entire career but he and he's shown it. he's done it to Buchnevich too like when he needs to do it so nobody can sit there and say he only does it to the young players like no yes David Quinn has that college mentality he kind of does that there are but people he screaming right everyone. now Molly
0: there are people yeah. screaming I'm, wait hold on i'm gonna give you a chance to respond there's bring a pe- it to me. there are people <laughs> screaming at, at at whatever they're listening to this on their iphones their transistor radio their raspberry Pis, their microwave whatever they're screaming they're they're saying yes chris Kreider was put on the fourth line. But then when they went on the power play, he was simply out there on power play one again. You know, it was coming. They're they're screaming right now.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But you have to give credit where it's due. You really do. He does it. He, he does it to everybody in the lineup. He really does. And for someone like Chris Kreider, like that's a huge ego, you know, slap to the face. That's like, that really That. But that, sometimes you need that, you know, sometimes you need that kind of, yes, like, Quinn, you know, has that kind of college attitude. and Like I said, he just, you know, that's just how he does things. That's all he knows. So, I mean, it, but it does work in some sense. But I've said this before. The biggest problem with David Quinn is that, Yes, he treats everybody on in the lineup the same way, but he—I feel like he needs to get a better grasp of how he relates to his veteran players. I think that he has it down pat with the with the young players, that you know, because those are the types of players he's used to working with. But he needs to get a better hold on how he communicates with the older guys. I feel it's just—it it just feels a little lopsided to me, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: Molly, I have two actual hockey questions for Whoa. you. Before I ask a <laughs> hockey question, Ryan was just listing things. Can someone explain to me why refrigerators connect to Wi Fi now? No. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> I didn't really I don't going know why, off the Ryan air. Ryan listened to the 17 things he listed that you can get a podcast on. You I actually just, can listen to podcast in the fridge, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think it's yeah, the Yeah, uh, why 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 does my fridge need to connect to Wi Fi? this I isn't like know. this isn't just hungover Greg asking this <laughs> question. But hung over Greg is like exacerbated by the fact that it's now all I can think about. I just can't think of anything in this world that needs to connect to Wi-Fi less than a refrigerator anyway well, in
3: this in this day and age i feel like everything needs to connect to wi-fi yeah
2: but it's like do you only get orange juice if you're on the house wi-fi like what what i don't know. anyway you're neither here nor there uh molly two two hockey related questions yes one um was not that you were was there something you expected the rangers to do at the trade deadline if they were going to make a trade
3: I think that I after what happened with Brendan Lemieux, I expected maybe one more move in that similar fashion, just unloading cap space, you know, because that's in reality, like that's what and and to the forward group in particular or Brendan Smith, you know, one or the other, um, because they have just so many like they just have way too many forwards of the same type of caliber. And they're obviously everybody's under a financial cap strain this year. So I did, after what happened with Lemieux, I was a little bit taken aback because they unloaded one of their most physical players and someone that did bring that grit and snarl to the lineup that they really you, you can count on one hand how many players play like that, and one of them is Ryan Lingren and and Brendan Lemieux and and maybe Brendan Smith on occasion, and sometimes Chris Kreider. But I that that's here neither here nor there, like you said. But I did think that maybe after seeing that they were going that route, that they were going to do maybe one more kind of move like that. But otherwise, I expected it to either be that or nothing at all, like we've seen.
2: uh Second second question for me now that. We had pitched this story a couple times to The Athletic, and since they didn't bite on it, you are an established (laughs) NHL reporter. How come you aren't writing constantly about the Tampa Bay Lightning cheating? cheating.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, I can barely get the New York Post. To let me write about the New York Islanders and <laughs> they are a New York team. First place. So unfortunately, I can't write about any other team except for the
0: Rangers. Good answer. <laughs> Smart answer, too. We just kind of bring it up once a podcast. It's really important. You should read about it. It's just <laughs> actually pretty crazy. You should just
3: sell that pitch. Like you should just go around to outlets and say, like, give us credit at the bottom at the very least, and maybe someone will buy it it's off well, you. Know, it, it's sure getting, your it is it's getting
2: it's getting to a point now where um Frege sent out the tweet about uh, who was it? Even that the Savard that went to Tampa Bay, and I half of his responses were people tagging Ryan and I, being like. You're gonna let them get away with this? And <laughs> I don't know what people. We're we're trying. We're absolutely trying. It makes no sense whatsoever that they're allowed to add salary, and yet here we are.
0: Here we are. Minus nine million dollar cap hit. This is where they sit currently. Not really sure it that works. Make any pretty... sense. I'm not a math guy. Uh, but, honestly,
3: hmm. all of the number. Me neither. Trust me, all the math stuff. Like I I can't even tell you how many times I text my colleague Larry Brooks a day asking him to clarify things for me about the cap situation. And the, and the years, the eligibility of all that stuff. It's so confusing. Does anyone else call
0: Larry the click king?
3: It's just us? <laughs> no, it's just you guys. But honestly, it is so fitting. I mean, everybody has their opinion on Larry, but the one thing is for sure you want to hear what he has to say. We do it. And no matter what, that's always going to keep him where he is, what is one of the best of the, in the industry. <laughs>
0: Larry, the, fi- the final key to our beat writer uh, power gauntlet. We will someday get him on this show. Uh, I, I know we kind of talked about Brandon Smith, but has, have you gotten any feedback from what the Rangers think about him around the locker room? He does seem sort of like an extra coach despite actually playing maybe some of his best hockey in the last four years these past couple games.
3: Yeah. You know, I asked David Quinn about that the other night after the Islander game, after Brendan Smith declared that he wants to be a Ranger, you know, his whole situation, he's about to be a UFA, but he wants to be here and he, very adamantly expressed that so i wanted to you know get another quote from for my piece on that and i asked quinn about him and quinn said he just has a model work ethic and that above all else he is just a great example to the young kids in the locker room and i feel like he probably doesn't get as much notoriety about the leadership that he brings because i mean whenever we speak to him he is so he just gets it, you know, he just gets what the whole media thing is and and knows how to elaborate and how to really go in depth and it makes all of our lives so much easier, but he's so well spoken and just so, just articulates his thoughts and feelings and analyzes the team so well for us and I feel like that translates over into the locker room and translates over into his relationships with the young players and that's, you know, that's something you can't buy, you know, that's really something that is so, you're just so fortunate to have as like a bonus in the player, it's not something that people usually value as much although this this particular deadline has seen with you know Nick Bellino going around and it really has been uh, a big of uh- point of emphasis for this trade deadline is leadership but i just feel like brendan smith definitely doesn't get uh acknowledged as much as he should for the type of leadership that he brings in the locker room and he's just definitely a good guy to have around and i also think it's very impressive that he can really be plugged anywhere you know he can play oh, yeah, forward. Can, yep. Yeah, he, <laughs> honestly strap the pads onto him see what he can do because yep. honestly this guy can play everywhere
2: yep molly with with uh With the abundance of children on defense, and (laughs) we talked about Zach Jones, Niels Lundquist on the horizon, the Tarmo Runanans, the uh, Matt Robertsons, Mm -hmm. the amount of young defensemen the New York Rangers currently employ. Can you see any scenario in which Brendan Smith comes back on a one-year deal as like the seventh defenseman for the Rangers next year?
3: See, I think that it'll come down to price and it'll come down to if he's willing to take a pay cut. Um, But like you just mentioned, I feel like they really are, they they're stacked uh, on the defensive end of things. And, and they really have a lot of players that they're looking forward to, especially in Jones and and Nils Lundqvist. Like you said, I think those two are going to round out the bottom six uh, very shortly here. And um, I just, uh, as much as I would like it, especially for Brendan Smith, who very clearly said he wants to stay with the Rangers, I just, I definitely think it'll be a really tough situation for Jeff Gordon to be in because they do need to start giving these players a look and I feel like that's been a a theme for this entire season and it probably will stay next season is when do you let the children take over you know when do you really just start riding the young ones which against the Islanders David Quinn was riding that kid line left constantly it was the best Um, uh, it was so fun but honestly why wouldn't he because that was the only line that was really going so that was it but exactly so that line and craft that
0: is yeah that's it Yep,
3: that and that doesn't happen every night but when it does david quinn at least was able to recognize that and really rode them for as long as he possibly could but i think that's definitely a hard decision that david quinn and the rest of the organization have to make is when do you really switch over to the lines
0: we have another caller in coming in real quick one second thanks jeff Molly, I can't thank you enough yeah, for joining no us today. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, fr- no problem. I was like scared. I was like, "Is this like a hack call?" No, no, no. I wasn't sure what it was.
0: <laughs> well, why don't um, you go ahead yeah. and, and plug your uh, your place at the New York Post and everything else you do?
3: Oh sure, yes, you can uh, read my stories at the New York Post in the in the paper, physical paper. Wow. If you still like that kind of thing, uh, and at nypost Follow me on Twitter, Molly Walker, two E's, two R's, and yeah,
0: this has been fun, as always. Pleasure (laughs) as always, Molly. Talk soon. All right, thanks. Hey, we're back with our big guest of the day. We have Jeff Bookaboom. You might have heard of him. He is a Stanley Cup champion with the New York Rangers and also the Oilers. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. No problem, guys. I'm glad to be here. Me too. <laughs> um, let's start this off <laughs> let's start this off with a, a nice easy question. What's uh, the most surprising thing you've drank from the Stanley Cup?
4: I drank from the Stanley Oh, ah, good uh, I just I think it was just pretty regular booze if I remember correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's I don't think it was anything uh, crazy or anything. I think it's just regular uh, beer, champagne. That's about it. I didn't I don't I don't recall anything. It's been such a long time, so I don't recall anything that's crazy.
0: You know, a lot of people have like those. I know uh, Phil Kessel had hot dogs. A lot of people do some cereal. That's why I wanted to ask if there was anything crazy we didn't know. Yeah,
4: no. No, there's nothing like that. Nothing that I can remember. Like I said, I think it was just a regular beers and champagne, maybe something other, but that's about it. Wonderful.
0: Let's get right into it. There is a player on uh, Mm -hmm. the New York York Rangers called Adam Fox. Maybe you've heard of him. He is having Norris contention uh, this year, having a little bit of a a season for himself. You played with a player named Brian Leach. Can you tell me any of the similarities Mm -hmm. between the two or what you're seeing right now? Well,
4: yeah, it's it's an interesting comparison because you've seen the numbers he's putting up. I like the fact that uh, he's wearing my number. (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, You know, there's some similarities. I think Brian was a better skater, maybe. Yep. I think uh, Fox is a smooth skater, but Brian was more uh, like a pull-away guy who would cut once and be gone, especially with the puck. He could be on the rush with the puck pretty easily. Uh, Fox is, I think he's um, a real cerebral player, obviously. And, um, you know, he's thinking of, a step or two ahead of everyone. He's got that gift. There's not too many people that have that gift. And he has, it and he can outweigh you. He reminds me, uh, his mind remind, reminds me of Zuboff more than Brian, actually. I mean, uh, Zuboff was such a great passer, and he had ice in his veins. So he just waited for the last minute until something opened up, and then he could hit you. So I think there's a lot of uh, the two of them in there. And, you know, that's a great comparison Two Hall of Famers that I was able to play with.
2: Jeff, uh, last year during the pandemic when absolutely nothing was going on, Ryan and I both did deep dives on the 94 Cup run. And while a big takeaway from that entire run is just the incredible play of Brian Leach, it also can't be understated mm-hmm. how important your role was playing alongside Leach, how you allowed him to do a lot of what he does well. What was it like from your perspective? What What did you bring that pairing that the casual fan may not have been able to identify
4: well I I think we were able to read off each other fairly well Um, you know um, I was not counted on offensively and I wasn't an offensive player (laughs) as a pro as a junior I I put up some numbers but you know it's a different game obviously once you get to that level and um, you know Brian and I mentioned together well, we were able to communicate well uh, on the ice, we were able to take advantage of what either one of us did for, you know, for the team and for each other. I think we read, you know, we were just uh, in sync when, from day one, and Brian was such an easy guy to play with also, because he was, you know, I always say he's probably one of the more underrated players I've ever played with. People don't realize how hard he played, how hard he was on himself, how, you know, he'd go and block shots. He'd go into the corner with guys bigger him all the time and usually come out with a puck. And he didn't try. He wasn't just an offensive player that was a mess player. He, he played hard. So, you know, that's my – the way I um, uh, remember things. And I think, you know, we talked about every time we see each other, it seems like it's always, it always comes up. And it's great to have an opportunity to have a partner like, like Brian because of his uh, ability. And not only that, he was just a class person, good teammate also at the same time.
0: One of the other big takeaways we had from doing the deep dive, what was it like playing for Keenan back then? It, I know he's like a different era of a coach, and it seems sometimes <laughs> that, that you guys yeah. won in spite of him rather than because of him.
4: Uh, <laughs>
0: for me, it was easy.
4: You know, I was his style of player. Uh, he, he didn't really, there's an incident, in training camp where he, you know, he comes down on the bench and needs me in the back and says, I hear you're tough. So I go out there. I jump over the boards next shift. I run, um, make the from the Islanders and then drop the gloves and punch, you know, <laughs> beat him in a fight. he didn't really talk to me. This year. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty good that way, you know, but there's, there's great stories, uh, I remember uh, Eddie Olchuk, he he uh we almost got in a fight in practice because you know, he was in it, always in the lineup and he was always working his butt off to get in lineup and he was such a te- great teammate for us that he um so he you know, he goes his way to work extra hard in practice and you know, he hit me and it was a little dirt or I thought it was a little dirty, he didn't but and then we got into it a little bit. So a month goes by and he Used to call me Farmer because I grew up on a dairy farm, and he goes, Farmer, remember uh, a month ago when we almost got in a fight in practice? I said, Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> And he goes, Yeah, I haven't been out of the lineup since. So it was pretty funny because he loved that. Right? He wanted a guy like Eddie, who was a more of a finesse player, to play hard and be confrontational, and it started in practice one day. So, it, you know, the, everyone has their own stories, everyone has. You know, and some guys are good, some are bad, and some guys are in between. So they're they're great stories, they're great uh, memories. Obviously, that uh, ended in very successfully.
2: Jeff, I'm I'm always curious. Um, we know we all know you got into coaching after your career. You're still connected to the game, doing some scouting. Was there a defining moment during your playing career where you thought to yourself, "I, I, I the next the obvious." next progression for me is going to be behind the bench did you ever was there a moment in your career that's sn- that snapped into place for you
4: no I, I think it was just the passion for the game and you tried to give back on a consistent basis and so you thought you could always uh pass along long knowledge you could um so other players how to uh, be professional how to improve them their game how to you know, be successful, especially the younger players. I started with coaching my kids, and then moving up junior, and then American League and NHL. So, you know, it's just you always want to give back, and you you always want these players to succeed, and especially you know when you uh, your your organizations that you grew up with You know, started with Edmonton and then all the way to the Rangers. So, you know, my job still it, it, like my passion. Now it's still hockey because you know I'm going to see the Rangers get back to that and hold that cup up, and you know I don't want you know I want another couple or three in <laughs> my lifetime, and you know I think if you look at the team, there's some real positives. I think the young guys are really playing well, especially late. Oh, yeah. The reason why they're um, coming together, and you know like they got like who missed some time, we see his progression, and you know I like uh, Kako, I think it has been very good lately. Same with uh, Laprenee, and they're on the line together. And then, obviously, the the rest of the team in general, you know, Miller on the point, all this, Fox's second year, and Lindgren's second year. You know, these guys are just coming into their prime. Some of them are are just uh, getting into figuring things out. You, you look at I had a few people asking about Laprenee because you know, I watched some American League games here in Ontario. There's no other, you know, no one connect from outside Ontario can go and watch them and a couple of scouts asked me what's going on with the front end the Cuckoo and says, oh don't worry, they'll be fine because I've seen, i watch watched a lot more of the Ranger games than I ever had in the past and you can see them you can see the ability, you can see it's just going to take some time because these guys have been off and hockey for a long time for anyone let alone a young guy and then you know, no training camps uh, just, you know practicing against themselves so you know, timeline's a little bit different for these guys, than I mean, you've seen with other rookies that come in, how uh, they
0: Have you been surprised at all by Kako's ability to sort of be a defensive forward before his offensive game is really developed? Obviously, when we scouted, or when anybody scouted Kapo Kako, uh the offensive ability was was all there. He had all those those tools in possession in his possession, but the defensive game was never part of this. Projection for him, and yet he's become this sort of two way forward over the last just, I don't know, two months.
4: Well, you know, there's, uh, I didn't watch a lot of them in this draft year, obviously, because he's a, from Finland. You know, I was scouting for the team at the time, so you see video and stuff like that. But you know, a lot of those uh, players in the European League, when they're playing against men, they learn that. Uh, away from the puck and how to play away from the puck very well. You know, because he wasn't playing against his own age group. He was playing against men. And they don't get on the ice if they're going to be a liability. It's, as good offensively as some of these young guys are, they're usually, on the, they're not usually the top players on these men's teams. So they they have to learn how to play the away from the puck and without the puck. And that's why usually, you know, they're usually a step ahead of the junior players uh, that are coming out at 20 when they're not, or around the same age because they're playing with men and where the junior
2: players are still playing against their age group. Jeff, you, it, it it feels like this was more than four years ago, but it was only four years ago when you were on the bench with Vino and his staff. Is it jarring yep. for you to see that there are only three players left from that Ottawa playoff series? Smith is a bandaged and <laughs>
4: Not really, I think uh you, you look at the the mission statement uh the, the route the team was gonna take, and you see it with other teams too, like uh, you know I'm in Ontario here and Toronto did the same thing about six eight years ago, and you know they, they they said, look, we're gonna tear this down and start over and now they're you know they they believe that they're gonna take a run for the cup, so you look at the how how these young guys uh, come in the league and, you know, especially guys that you're counting on being front-line, top-six players, top-four defensemen on a lot of these teams. And you get a high pick and things start to develop and then you fill in underneath, and it doesn't take long. And uh, you can see, you know, how competitive we are right now and how close we are to... uh, Making plus last year than last year, and same with this year. So we're right there. And, and you see the guys are drafted like uh, the goalies <laughs> have always had a tough time. Just Durkin? In main Just so Durkin, yeah. He, you know he was drafted uh, God, was seven years ago. I think it was long time. He's, he's not twenty. He's not twenty or twenty-one. He's twenty-four, twenty-five. So you know, but all those draft picks are starting to mature and come to light. And uh, as a result, uh, the team can take that next step. And, you know, instead of uh, paying high price for free agents, you're developing your own and you fill in with free agents. You know, obviously you look at the um, and that's a hell of a free agent signing. He helps everyone. He helps everyone on the ice and he, he helps these young guys too when they play with him. So it, you know, the, the, na- the nature of uh, the game, you know, it's a young man's game. You look at when I was playing, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of 30 year old players in the game. Now there's not too many unless you're you're a star or an exceptional role player. So it's a young man game. And, you know, you look at guys, I know my son was drafting in Shelley. I'm looking at guys he played junior with, and they're 29 now, and you're going, they're close to the end of their career. And that's hard to believe, <laughs> yeah, whereas you know when I' was playing it seemed like you're just getting your prime in your mid late twenties, and you're but you know the economics has changed the the games changed, and as a result, it's a younger younger man's game
0: has there been a certain New York Ranger prospect you've scouted that you really thought to yourself, "Wow, this guy is special uh, and uh, either that player's on the team now or is uh, is is looming to make the team in the next few years.
4: Well, it's not always like that because the guys, you really, you know, like uh, the first draft, I think, is uh, the kid from Carolina, uh, the second pick overall was playing in Barry and um, the Russian, which is in um, Mm Shashnikov. And, you know, you knew you didn't have a shot at him. So, you know, it's more, you know, what makes your draft and makes your team very – uh, competitive and, and makes it, you know, you have to fill in with the, the later picks. And there's uh, last year we traded one of those picks that I was, I was really high on was Joy Keith. And he already went through the draft and he was playing in Barry, which, uh, which So I really liked him and our scouts, our uh, head scout came in and really liked him also. And, you know, he was there for in the third round and, you know, he's not in the organization anymore, but we traded for a player we thought is going to be a real good player in um, number 12 there. Um, uh, Gaultier. Gaultier, sorry, yep. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes those players that you really like and you think you're going to you might make a team, might not, uh, You they turn into other assets. So, you know, Gauthier is still young and he's an upsized big player and Joey King might still play and still be a good NHL player. We really don't know, but you make these decisions and because you only have, there's only so many first-round picks, and every year it's a little bit different. You go through the drafts uh, uh, the last four years, and there's success, there's failures, there's everything in between. And uh, you know, the draft this year, um, I didn't see him a lot, but I really like Snyder, and, and a lot of people in our a lot of people our organization really like him. Like we you know, we traded up to get him yep. in the first rounds. and same with uh, our second pick. So some of those guys are, you know, as a scout, <laughs> you try not to fall in love with them because it's hard because you see them a lot. Some of them you see a lot, some of them you don't. But you want you want to make sure that you got your uh, rating and what you see in them is accurate. And uh, because not everyone's going to be a, a fox or a leech or you know uh, Zinovlad Panarin, whatever you know, you need those guys. On the third line, you need those. Guys, you need the whole team to to win, and, and sometimes that team's going to look a little bit different uh, in the regular season as opposed to the playoffs. Too.
2: You mentioned it being a young man's game, and I, I wanted to circle back to that because it we, we look at this Ranger team and how the, it it seems like they don't have a defenseman that can legally drive in some states. But when when you <laughs> were behind the bench, yeah. hard hard to think of a team that had just a more diverse group of defenseman then with you. You had both Girardi and Stahl, who were on the other side of 30. Brady Shea was a rookie. Ryan McDonough yeah. in the prime of his career. How... And then, you, of course, the role players like the Holdens, the Brendan Smiths, who was required, acquired at the deadline, Kevin Klein. How was it for you to manage a guy like Shea, literally making his breakthrough in the NHL, also while managing McDonough, who's in the prime of his career, while also trying to get some second legs out of Stahl and Girardi when they've already been through the ringer. They've played more games than anyone that can count. They're a little banged up. How, for you, how was it managing all these different personalities all at once?
4: Well, they, the personalities were great. They're, they're professional. And they they showed up to play hard regardless. That was an issue. It, it was trying to get Brady shaped. The, the proper amount of ice time and and, he, and make sure he earned it at the same time which he did and he just kept playing more and more as the season went on because of his youth and his skating ability we needed him to improve and he did and then you know ryan McDonough he, he tried not to overplay him you know because he's one of those players who would be first guy out there in a power play first guy guys there in a penalty kill and then five on five so it was managing nice time. The players and the personnel were easy. Uh, it was just trying to slot them in and fit them in a situation where they could succeed and we could also at the same time. So it was always about uh, managing, you know, with Ryan and, you know, and good for him to get to stand a cup in Tampa. Unfortunately, not in New York, but, yep. you know, he was a horse. And But at the same time, he was playing upwards in the mid, usually mid 20-minute uh, range. So, he tried to make sure that he didn't burn him out and he was ready for playoffs. So, it, it was easy. Uh, you know, at the same time, um, like you say, uh, the guys, it, most of the guys were older. And they were coming. We were trying to make a, you know, still take a run at it for the year after that also, for that matter. And... Like so, it wasn't tough because they're they're professionals, they're good people, and that made things easier.
2: Did did you always get the vibe from Dan Girardi that he was going to have a future coaching when he was with the Rangers?
4: I <laughs> yeah, never really thought much about it, quite honestly. I thought, you know, you're in the moment, you you don't think past it. There's certain guys you come across every once in a while, you, you can see it. Uh, you know, it jumps at you. And so this guy's very, you know, intellectual. He's asking a lot of questions. He's, he's wondering about this, that and everything. And, uh, you know, maybe asking about drills and products, stuff like that. So everyone's a little bit different. And some of those guys jump off the page at you. Uh, but, you know, Dan, like you said, he, he just went out there and played hard and blocked shots and did what he had to do for the team. And, you uh, know, carved up out a nice niche for himself in the in the league, obviously, and is an important part of the Rangers. And now we see that, you know, he's pressing the coaching, and we see where that
1: leads
0: You uh, you've obviously been following the team, following the team this year. I think we're at, the, at mm-hmm. the beginning of the window opening. We've been all tugging as fans on the windows, trying to get it open, suffocating in the room the past couple of years. And what is maybe the fastest rebuild of all time in hockey? Uh, so all credits to the New York Rangers in that way. <laughs> Do you feel like the New York Rangers' window for contention is sort of opening next year with these last two years sort of being mini-successes? And if the Rangers played in any other division, they would likely make the playoffs this year?
4: Well, yeah, you know, there's still a crop of young guys coming before me. Look, at am just on the fence with Lundqvist. And uh, it was in Sweden, and then Snyder's next. You know, you've got some good young players still coming along, but, you know, at the same time, you know, and that's a management uh, decision is, okay, when when is the rebuild at the point where you say, okay, we did enough here, we need to take that next step. You know, and with the guys, with a guy like uh, uh, DeAndre coming in, Miller coming in and earning a spot probably a year ahead of time, it makes that, uh, it takes a step forward for us. And um, like I said, the next wave, you know, this wave's got their foot in the door and they're probably, you know, some guys are going to take big leaps next year, you would think. It doesn't always happen that way, but you would think so. You see like uh, Hedl, he's in third year, I think, and now he's taking that next leap. You can envision Kako taking that next leap. He's already doing it in my estimation this yep. year, right now. And then next year, you would think it's going to be a big jump for him. And same with Lafrenia. So, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, voices and there's good management there. So I think uh, we're heading in the right direction. You know, the time the, the, the players will determine when that rebuild is and, and when that, you know, maybe you start trading prospects for seasoned players or else or not. So the players always determine what happens, not the management, because, uh, you know, if you're playing great, you know, they're, they're probably not going to trade you. They're probably going to build around you. So. And some guys fall off and some guys step up. So it, it's a combination of things. And like I said, we're lucky to have uh, the management in place that's doing a hell of a job.
2: Jeff, one of the things we get asked probably most often by um, – fans who listen to the show is whether we think this season is a success or failure depending on how whether the rangers make the playoffs or not ryan and i tend to believe that no matter what happens playoffs or not this has been a very important growth season for the rangers i'm curious Mm -hmm. i'm curious if you think this season the only way it could be considered successful is if the rangers punch a ticket to the playoffs uh i
4: i think it's not so much the playoffs as much as how we finish. You know, like if uh, we, you know, you can see the last two games, for example, I thought were very encouraging going into playing uh, the Islanders. They've lost once at home in regulation before we beat them. And then we get three out of four points. That's really encouraging. And not only that is young guys were leading the way, I think for the most part. Yep. So that's, you know, that's how you got to look at it. You know, I think if we, you know, at the end of the day, if we make the playoffs, that's huge. But if we make the playoffs and the the young guys aren't part of the, you know, pushing that, aren't part of pushing that bus, that's going to be, that'll be a bit of an issue. If, you know, we count on the older guys to lead the way and um, the young guys don't, Get better and don't improve and don't uh, push the bus like the the guys that are up front leading it. Then it'll, it'll be a concern. But I, I don't see that happening. Like I said, I, I think it's really encouraging to see these young guys doing what they're doing. And and not only that, I think you look at the top to the bottom, they're all they're all um, playing very well. And just even the guys that maybe aren't as young, like uh, Kevin Rooney's been really impressive for me. I think. In his role and what he does, and he's you know third fourth line player. But you know the encouraging part of the team is now we've got everyone healthy. You got Panarin back from uh, what happened there, and it's for you know since we've been healthy, you look at our record. It's pretty 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 good, and you can see how it's encouraging because you know if we were 100 uh, percent the whole time, and we went through some of those stretches. Where it wasn't as encouraging. Um, then, then there'd be some concerns, possibly. But like I said, I think it's very encouraging to see what some of these guys are doing on a consistent basis, and um, and how uh, the team is really it's getting deeper by the game it seems, and these young guys are pulling, out, you know, they're pulling their weight. That's exciting.
0: Jeff, I can't thank you enough for your time tonight. It really means the world to us. Greg, do you have any final questions for our dear friend, Jeff Boom?
2: Just, just one, for, one more for me, Jeff. So the yeah. NHL didn't start keeping average time on ice totals until your final season with the Rangers. <laughs> how, oh, yeah? would, how, how would Ranger fans have been as crazy about Ranger defensemen time on ice and forward time on ice totals during the 93-94 season as they are this year? Well I think <laughs> I think
4: it would have been uh it would have been interesting because it seemed like every ship or Zuboff release was out of time.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's forty minutes. You know, it's ridiculous. Yeah,
4: so I think it would uh the statistics part of things would have been interesting, that's for sure. Because it was funny we were uh we we're going through uh, some exercises from a scouting perspective and the one scout says I watched uh, you know, and before there was hockey in Canada, there's a lot of old hockey. Like uh, when I played for the Edmonton, playing Calgary and playoff series like that. And, um, uh, uh, even with the Rangers, you know, you get all these, uh, so-called, uh, uh, games of, uh, note, um, from the nineties and eighties and, you know, Gretzky scoring, all the, you know some important milestone goal points that he had or goals. And, um, my one guy says, "Yeah, you know, I I did some tracking and he said in the one game, uh, and you know, he used the uh, analytics and he goes, the one game, he, he says you stopped it six guys, sixteen uh, rushes in a row before the blue line and didn't let him get entry or something.' So oh, I don't know, <laughs> but you know, you know so it, it's funny how the games change and how it's evolved with these." Uh, All these different data, the different data that it's available to everyone, and it's it's amazing how uh, uh, if you went back to uh, the data for guys, you know, the Hall of Fame guys like Mess, and you know, you go go down list on that team, especially um, how how it would apply. Because I I think it gets, uh, I think the new age fan right into it. Uh, the older people, probably not so much. But now, it, you know, you, when you get Steve Alquette on there talking about the goals and the, uh, how when you pass across the midline now, the chances go up. and stuff. People are more educated than they ever have, and the fans especially. And I think it, it would have been really interesting to look back at that team and see where all the statistics uh, fell with uh, some of these great players.
2: Also I'm just I'm just saying Leach gets all the credit in the world for being a great offensive defenseman a career high 8 goals for Jeff Boom during the 93-94 season. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't get the love it deserves.
4: Well, let, let's be honest with ourselves, you know, I I'll take some credit, don't get me wrong, but if we don't have uh, Brian Leach on that team uh, we don't win the cup. Oh, <laughs> Jeff! Pretty, Brian Lee just you know, played like forty-five I, I think, minutes.
0: Those games, man, <laughs> he's crazy. Well, it seemed like yeah, it seemed like it never came off
4: ice, and and that's the one thing about Brian also is, you know, he couldn't get him tired. It seems, you know, he was such a great player, and and uh, he was built to play the game the the way he did. So, it's exciting uh, to be part of that team, that organization. It's still exciting in a different way and honor, honored to be part of things. But, uh, you know, it's great to see the team doing as well as it's doing. And, uh, it, you know, it, to be a Ranger fan right now and uh, go through what we, this team's gone through in the last three years, it, it's exciting to see the benefits from all that.
0: It's going to be no better time than the next decade to be a Ranger fan, I'll tell you that. It's going to be a, a real fun ride. Jeff, cannot thank you enough. Uh, keep doing what you're doing, and we appreciate your time today.
4: Yeah, thanks guys. Have a great time, and uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, those were great interviews. Greg had a great time.
2: You uh, did good. I I perked up. I perked up for Booch.
0: Really proud, of Booch. Yeah.
2: Well, except it was Booch. <laughs> yeah,
0: our good friend Booch. We we did state good job. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening, and especially our Patreon supporters. And I'm going to butcher some names here, so please correct me and DM me on Discord where we have our Patreon if I got these wrong. Amber Coensberger. Uh, Brent, Ben Waters, Billy Huff, Brian Doyle, Blue, Broadway Blue Bleeder, Chris, just Chris, uh, De- Dennis Dietz, uh, Eric Stag, George O'Britsky, Jimmy Mack, JTC, 13, 13, 13, 13, Kyle Franklin, Mike Smith, Samo, Sean Taggart, uh, Stefan Lomeyer, Swangard, Thomas O'Neill, Tory from Manhattan, Vinnie Hay, and Will Specter. There we go. We are back. Uh,
2: thank you for listening. I, I I would say maybe. Thirty percent of those names you actually.
0: Got. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to come up with some fun stuff for these names at the end of shows. So uh, stay tuned, everybody. Uh, what
2: you're just gonna like rename them? No, what, what, no, what I'm gonna you know, like come up with m- fun stuff music
0: and like Hall of Fame induction and stuff like that. Oh know? my! Yeah, I have some stuff oh, planned. It's okay. Uh, all right, let's uh, that's the end of the show. Uh, you, thanks for uh, following, of course. Thanks for your feedback. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at Orion Media. You can follow Greg at Blue Shorts Break. We'll be back later this week for BSBOT. Uh, signing off from The Athletic for the last time. Goodbye. We are Goodbye now... forever. ...on Athletic yeah. Boys. Bye-bye.
1: Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.